Ingrid Laguna is a multi-award winning novelist and educator. Her books include Bailey Finch Takes a Stand, one of my favourites, Sunflower, Songbird and Kit and Arlo Find a Way. Ingrid, you also have a new writing course, Writing with Ink. Tell me all about this. Uh, writing with Ink. Ink is actually my nicknames. And so what I think will work is small classes. And what I think will work is genuine feedback from myself and from, from the, the other people's writing peers during the course. I wanted to share the things that I find to be really critical in writing. And that is that it's really hard to finish. It's really hard to persevere when the going gets tough. But all of these things can be done. And I think that if you know these these things are important um, and you know that it's normal to have self-doubt and you know that it's normal that even though your idea might be inspired at the start, you are going to hit a point most likely that it doesn't feel inspired anymore. Mm. Signing up, ingridlaguna.com and be ready for those courses. Thank you so much, Ingrid, for putting this writing course on for writers. Thanks so much for having me, Danny B. It's always such a pleasure. I love you. Welcome to the 2024 series of the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm Danny B., author, publisher, and your podcast host. With over 1 million plays, thanks to you, listeners, readers, writers, creatives, teachers, librarians, and book lovers, thank you for coming along for the journey where we bring you relaxed and real conversations about writing and creativity. If you love an episode, you can leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram or Facebook at Danny V Words Nerds Podcast. Or you can check out my brand new website designed by Gin and Co at dannyv.com.au. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Megan Daly is a teacher, librarian and author. She's passionate about children's literature and has been awarded the Australian Teacher Librarian of the Year from ASLA and the Queensland Teacher Librarian of the Year. Megan is also a beekeeper and host of the fabulous Your Kids Next Read podcast. Her previously published work includes writing Raising Reader, How to Nurture a Child's Love of Books and Editing Teacher teacher stories of inspirational educators. Today we're going to talk about her debut picture book, The Beehive. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to chat with you. It is really nice to chat to you and it was lovely chatting to you before. I thought, you know, if I don't hear a call, we're going to be here all night, which has been lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Down to business. (laughs) Once you get two people who love books and love literary festivals, it's all over. So... So I thought we'd recall, record some of that gold. Now, Megan, this is your beautiful debut picture book, The Beehive. Can you give me an elevator pitch to start us off? Sure. Alison Tate has been schooling me in the uh, importance of the elevator pitch, and here is my <laughs> one for The Beehive. I have written a picture book which is essentially about a native beehive split in a primary school. Um, the main character is Willow and there's a cast of other school characters like Groundskeeper Tom, who was a real groundskeeper at my previous school. And it's based on my experience of working in schools, running groups like Earth Angels and different sustainability and nature clubs. And I really want it to pique the interest of children and adult amateur beekeepers alike in really loving and celebrating our Australian native bees because we have over 2,000 varieties of them. Wow, that was mind-blowing to me. And I think it's interesting for all adults because we know, and we'll get into this, but how important bees are for, Mm. you know, sustaining life, et cetera. 
So you were able to blend all these great loves into this book, bees, agriculture, education, books, your you know, school experience, librarianship, all of these things. That must have been pretty cool. Yeah, it was a fantastic opportunity. It was a strange the way it came about because I've always loved the Walker Books narrative nonfiction series and I did an innovation on one of their texts many years ago where I essentially, I guess, wrote the first draft of The Beehive um, as it has been come, been come to known. Um, but I really wanted it really just for my own school use. So I wrote it very much in that vein of a year one, two, three classroom and, and how they could use a narrative nonfiction. And then it kind of took on a life of its own and Walker Books contacted me about it because uh, I must have, I think I put it up on my social media <laughs> and then marketing manager saw I was doing an innovation on it. You know, bees have become very popular in the last few years, so I guess it was just right time, right place for me. But it has brought all of my loves together, yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I love the nature book storybooks. I think they're so mm. important, but they're really cool as well. So you Yeah, can, they're fantastic. Yeah, too. I love those books that you can enjoy but also learn some stuff as well. That's yeah, the best combination, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, now, we did talk about, you know, being very timely and, you know, it's this celebration of bees, which I love because, you know, kids and adults are sometimes scared of bees, you know, scared of the yeah. bee sting, all that kind of stuff. But tell me, um, you know, why are you so passionate about bees? Look, I've loved bees since I was really, really little. My grandfather was a chicken farmer here in Queensland and I did a lot of walking around his farm with him and he used to point out, I have really vivid, some of my earliest memories are of my granddad pointing out the beehives on the hills at his farm and he had a great sense of the importance of bees and of biodiversity at a time when regenerative farming wasn't really a thing. So I've always loved bees and then I you know, also have a mother who is a teach librarian. And I've also loved the Winnie the Pooh books my whole life. My <laughs> bedroom was, yeah, I know. It was decorated with um, Winnie the Pooh books. And I had I a dear that. family friend who used to feed me honey sandwiches a lot, Mr. Anderson. Hello, Mr. Anderson. And I've just always had this kind of love of bees in nature, but also mm -hmm. in literature. And I kind of knew from my granddad about their importance in pollination. So I guess I've just always kind of loved bees. I've, I have 27 or maybe even 30 pairs of different bee earrings now. And I have I've always collected bee artwork, so I've kind of just always been fascinated by bees. Oh, that's fabulous. I love that. What I'm actually really interested in, because you people who know not very much about bees, that would be me, um, you know, you think <laughs> bees sting you, et cetera, and then I was, yeah. you know, looking at all the different species of bees and varieties. I don't know if I use the right word. Um, and there's also the stingless bees. So can you tell yeah. me something interesting about stingless so bees? So stingless bees, I had an encounter with them today. Our preps were a bit worried they had ants invading their stingless beehive today over in prep. So at lunchtime today, I ran over to the prep playground and got my hive tool and I pulled open the, their beehive to check it out. And I just had this flood because they said, oh, we don't think the hives are very active. So I sort of was really busy and I ran over there thinking, I'll oh, just open it up quickly. It must be dead. We've had a disaster. I'll have to replace it. But I opened it up without thinking about it and literally hundreds, probably thousands of bees flew in my face. Wow. In my hair. They oh. flew all down my shirt. Oh, no. And 
like I just had hundreds of tiny little black bees all over me because I disturbed their hive. As it turned out, look, there was a few ants, but there was more bees than ants. (laughs) Sounds like it. (laughs) But but bees, stingless bees don't bite you. They don't actually have a stinger. So a Mm. European um, honeybee that we all kind of think of when we think of bees, they have a stinger. And when they sting you, in fact, all of their insides come out with the stinger and they mm. die, the poor little Ugh. babies. So they don't really want to sting you, but they sting you as a defence mechanism. But Australian native bees, by and large, are stingless. Wow. Don't have a stinger. They can nip you. So I did get a few nips kind of all down the front of my oh. shirt. It was a bit, you know, I had all these preps looking at with me. With a stinger? Like, so they do have a little stinger? No, they have mandibles. They have tiny little oh. jaws and they can nip oh, you. Oh, it's almost really cute. It's adorable and I call them tickle bees, so they don't really sting. But I did get a little bit of a shock today because I just wasn't prepared to be covered in a cloud of bees. (laughs) Now, can you tell them apart, a stingless bee? And, okay, what do they look like? So a stingless bee, unfortunately for the little stingless bees, often they look like flies. So you have to be really careful about, well, I don't use insecticides and stuff at home, but if you do use insecticides, you have to really think about what you're spraying. Mm. So bees. Uh, the little stingless bees um, that we have here in Queensland, but there's varieties of them all around the world, are the Tetragonlia carbonaria bees. And they're quite small and, and black. But then we've also got these gorgeous um, blue banded bees, which are my favourite, favourite native stingless bee. They're quite a large bee and they've got this jewelled back uh-huh. and they're very, very, very blue and they're a lot bigger. They look quite different to a European honey bee. They are not that yellow and black variety, but there's fantastic maps and charts done in a kind of a vintage style by a um, an artist that does all different bee varieties all around Australia that you can wow. buy online, and they are just beautiful. So we've got 2,000 varieties and most of them are stingless in Australia. Mm, that's amazing. I actually just came back from Brisbane to visit my dad and I went to the museum there and they've got this yes. amazing insect they area. They do. Isn't it and, wonderful? Yeah, it's amazing. And I did stop and look at all the varieties of bees and I think I saw that blue one that you were mm-hmm. talking about because I was pointing it out to my kids, like, how would you think that's a bee? You know, so the, yeah. it's just you're, it's an appreciation of insects when you go there. Absolutely. <laughs> Instead of them Absolutely. just being, a, you know, annoying or in your tent or something. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now, why are bees so important? To nature we know they play a big role and we're always yeah. scared about you know if there's no bees there's no yeah. life etc so yeah. tell me more about that well i i guess for me the best middle grade novel i think i've ever read is bren mcdibble's how to be and i've studied that one with year sixes and year sevens before and it talks about how if there is no bees it's a dystopian novel and it talks about how if there's no bees there is actually no life because bees pollinate a large proportion of what we put into our mouths. So they're incredibly vital for pollination. And without bees, you know, kids have said, oh, but we could just eat meat. We don't have to eat grains and fruits and vegetables. And I'm like, dudes, but if there's no grains or grasses, there's nothing for the cows and the, you know, other animals to eat. So then there is no meat. So You're not going to live very long if you only eat meat. <laughs> no, really not. Broccoli is important too, kids. Um, but, you know, it's, it's very, bees are vital for, for human existence and they also contribute so much to our biodiversity on the planet and my partner is a commercial beekeeper and one of the things that I find really amusing about him is he loves seeing a field full of weeds as we're driving somewhere (laughs) out you know just outside of, of an urban area he loves seeing weeds because 
our um, farmers now often plant just one crop, like a monocrop, and they get rid of all of the weeds, whereas bees love weeds and they need that variety mm, for their pollen and their nectar. So, you know, our national parks and, and our natural areas are very important for bees to get their diversity because just like us, they need to eat more than meat. They mm -hmm. need to eat meat and potatoes diet. They need to eat a wide variety of, of um, flora and, yeah, yeah, they mm. need a white variety of fauna. Interesting. Now, how flora. do we protect our bees? <laughs> how do we? Flora. I was flora. thinking about that. No, flora. fauna is what we eat, isn't it? That's yeah. the animal. Flora. Yeah, get flora. that right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we protect our bees by providing habitat for them, and that's one of the things I wanted to do with the beehive. I wanted to talk in the beehive about the importance of schools maintaining areas where there's just natural bushland and where there's some diversity in, in crops. So those school gardens that we see are really important. Any plantings of native varieties which are endemic to the area are really important. So keeping those strips of bushland near schools, near urban areas, just vitally important. And you can plant lots of bee-friendly plants in your own gardens at home, just looking for native varieties that bees are going to love. And if children start to notice bees and adults, they'll really start to notice what plants the bees are also foraging oh, on. Yeah. I love that. Now, getting back to the writing and the process, I mean, mm. I, I think I think picture books are quite magical, a bit mm. biased, of course. Um, <laughs> but I do, I think they're pieces of art, you know, with beautiful little illustrations and, and you know writing that you need to condense into very little words so what was the process for you in terms of writing and then the creation of this beautiful book oh look it was such an interesting process because like I said I had written this book for a classroom environment so it was quite educational I guess in a way and I needed to make it uh, not that I'm a boring teacher but I needed to make it flow more as a narrative and and be engaging the Nature Storybook series is meant to be um, an engaging narrative with information as well. So I had to, I mean, as you would know, being an author, I think uh, I think we were up to about 28 drafts mm. by the time we got to the final text. And I worked with Christina Schulz, who edited my first book, and she really understands how to take how to take Megan and her lack of grammatical knowledge out of Megan's writing, <laughs> but then put Megan back in. So I, I felt that. like we did some really hard edits early mm. on where we got the um, the structure right and then we were like, okay, now we put the heart and soul back in. Mm, so it I was love that. a really interesting process. I felt like I totally rewrote the book several times. Yeah, over. yeah. But I do. love narrative nonfiction and I, I think I'm probably – like I think I'm probably essentially a nonfiction writer. I really enjoyed the narrative didn't come particularly easily to me, but I loved writing all of the nonfiction facts but making them engaging, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Like I love sharing nonfiction books with my students at school and I wanted it to be fun facts but also still really engaging. Mm, I love all of that. And I love the idea of, you know, so much time being spent on picture books because I think, there might be a belief that's not many words. You just threw it together that's in your lunch right. break. So I love the idea that you had to go back and do 28 drafts, you know, as yeah. I have, because right. I think when there's less words, there's less to hide behind. <laughs> so it's like every single word counts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a whole yeah. other challenge there. Now, um, the question I ask every guest that I have on, Megan, is why do you write? Look, I write because it is just the way I process the world, I think. Um, 
You know, I many of you that are listening will know my story. I'm widowed and my husband died um, seven years ago. And I really, really heavily went into writing in the time that he was unwell. He had a chronic pain condition. And I, I wrote to process that. And then after his death, I just threw myself into writing. I guess I was processing my own grief, but mm. I was also just getting the words out of my head. Some of us exercise and I wish I was an exerciser. <laughs> like I really wish I processed by running, but I don't. I, I don't. I don't. Um, I don't wish for that. <laughs> I eat, I drink cups of coffee and I write and mm. I, that sounds is. Sounds pretty standard, I, I reckon though. Well. Yeah. So, <laughs> sounds pretty standard for a writer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I love that. And, you know, thank you for sharing that. So I know it's a, it's you know, a very sort of personal thing to share, but I think writing is, you know, I and think writing I is think writing incredibly personal. You are personal. laying yourself wide open. Yeah. And if you choose to share your writing publicly, which you don't have to, but if you choose to share publicly, you are, you are like bearing your soul. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, putting the heart and soul in the book is always so important. Any book that you write, because we're, we're people and we're humans and, and that's where stories resonate with us, I think, with that mm. heart and soul. So I love all of that. And I love speaking to you. And so <laughs> you're going to be at Somerset, which is really exciting, less exciting because we miss each other by a day. Can't <laughs> I'll write you a secret note in the green room. Okay, so find it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's always lovely speaking to you and I love you know talking to people with such passion for not only books but interesting things like bees and nature oh, so thank, thank you. you so thank much you for the opportunity. this episode is brought to you by Gin & Co author website design specialists if you want a beautiful and functional website to promote your books and brand reach out to Gin today his work includes tailored expertly designed professional author websites I finally have a website I'm proud to share. And we've got a special offer for Words and Nerds listeners. Reach out today and get a free domain name and website hosting for the first year. You can get their website essentials package, includes domain name, website hosting, backup and security, free for the first year with any website purchase. This is valued at $330 a year. Choose a website designed to bring your author brand to life. You can find more details about this special offer at ginand.co forward slash words and nerds. 